It's batter up on this edition of the Seaco Sports Forum. Sherm Chester along with Sam Bruno, and we have a special guest on this edition of the Seaco Sports Forum, another Sam, Sam Rollick, who is the chairman, CEO, founder, owner of Granite Bats. Now, I'll tell you right before before we discuss anything with Sam, I want to mention that if I had a choice of a of a custom sports item, it would not be a golf club, it would be a baseball bat. Now, how did you, Sam Rollick, get involved with the manufacture of baseball bats? Well, it's a pretty short story. Back when uh, 2015, there were a couple other kids that I went to high school with, and one of them learned how to make bats from a local bat manufacturer who's since gone out of business. And I ordered a bat from him. It came out really, really well, and I really liked it. And I kind of got hooked, and I wanted to try making them. So I... Uh, <laughs> They actually taught me how to do it. I went out, bought a lathe, bought the basic equipment. And for a while, I was just doing trophy bats and kind of gifts. I just go out on a Saturday and make one. And then uh, this the previous summer of 2020, I was kind of had a lot of free time. They sent us home from school. Wasn't a lot going on. So I decided to really kind of go all in and purchase some nicer equipment. And the rest has kind of just taken off. That is great. That is great. Now, Sam, you have some questions for Sam? Sam on well, Sam. It's going to be interesting. <laughs> exactly. Nice, nice to speak with you, Sam. Uh, first of all, I just want to know a little bit about from start to finish, from design to completion, how long does it take to make a bat? Well, in terms of just cutting the shape of a baseball bat, it takes me around 30 to 40 minutes, depending on how many I'm doing that day. The more that I do, the faster it is just because of the way the process works. After that, it kind of depends on what you want for paint. If you just want a bat with no paint, no finish on it, I can get it done for you in about 40 minutes and get it engraved. But if you want paint, it'll take an extra anywhere from two to four days for the paint to dry. And so it can be anywhere from 40 minutes to four days long. What are the, uh, what are the types of bats as far as wood that you're using these days? So uh, I use the three most popular kinds of wood, uh, maple, ash, and birch. And those are pretty much the universal woods used in the MLB and pretty much with any wood bat amateur baseball there are options to use bamboo uh, there's European beach some people like hickory but ash birch and maple are the three most popular and that's what I as far as weights and sizes uh, people could specify that if they wanted a 35 inch bat a certain weight how many ounces things like that yep so you can ask uh, I can do half in anywhere with half inch sizes up to 33 inches long. Uh, I'm, my equipment limits me to 33 inches in length right now. I'm working on getting some new equipment so that I can turn stuff that's a little bit longer, like full size fungos and 34 inch bats. And uh, in terms of like shapes of the bat and sizes, like I have four different models that you can choose from. And if you don't see anything that you like there, you can reach out to me and I can hand make you a bat. Or if you have one that you like, you can send it to me and I'll copy it for you. Now, how does someone figure out what bat is right for them? I mean, is it a trial and error or, or how does that happen? It's mostly trial and error. That's how it kind of was when I was playing. There's a thousand different bat models out there. Every company has their own models, their own takes on models. And it really, as a player, you just got to kind of swing around and eventually you'll find a bat, a size and a model that you like. And you pretty much stick with it for your entire career. Now, the, uh, when you're designing a bat for somebody or, or just putting one on the lathe and, and trying to figure out, you've got 
I've got my model here, my Ostromsky model. You've got your barrel and obviously handle. So there's people who like a bigger grip or a thinner grip. Yep. And the barrel, is that pretty stock or again, do you customize that? So I have a couple different barrel diameters, depending on the model, they all change. And all that really affects is the weight of the bat. So if you're a player and you want a more end loaded bat, you want to get something with a thicker barrel with a bigger diameter, because that'll put focus more of the weight on the end of the bat. Mm -hmm. Where if you're trying to swing for more contact and base hits, you probably want something more balanced. So you're going to have a little bit of a thinner barrel. And some players also prefer a thinner barrel, but a longer barrel because that creates more hitting surface on the bat and so barrel size is really player dependent and the grain uh, one thing i've always loved about a good baseball bat is the grain of the bat now i know you mentioned uh, that some of the uh, people prefer some of the hitters prefer to have them painted or or stained or whatever but just to see that good grain and it, you flame temper some of those right yes yeah now that process now how does that work just certain heat for a certain length of time or how does that go so i flame flame tempering the bats is actually my favorite way that they look i love the look of burnt bats i think it really brings out the grain and like you said the grain is the most beautiful part of the wood and i never swung a bat that was covered in paint i always wanted to see the grain see that it was straight because that's how you can really check the quality of the bat mm -hmm. and so when you flame a bat all i do is i have I have my lathe that I turn the bats on, and then I have a secondary lathe that I do a lot of my painting and finishing on. And so I'll put it on that, turn it on, I just take a blowtorch, and I slowly move it up the length of the bat. And so that'll slowly burn it, but not char it. So now the, uh, what it, right now, what do you find is the most popular, the flame tempered or the painted? So I've actually got some, this is actually my most popular look right here. It's called the pine tar burn. Okay. And so it's just flame tempering in the middle of the bat. And a lot of players like it because it looks like you have pine tar in the bat. And it kind of does it, in my in my opinion, does a good job of separating the handle and the barrel. And it just makes it look kind of better, did, but simple. Did you check the uh, the uh, MLB has a rule? I, I was doing some homework before we did this interview. And uh, Sam and I are old enough to remember a famous uh, incident back in 1983. George Brett hit a home oh, run. I know that. You remember that one? Okay. Oh, See, yeah. And the pine tar game, the, the pine tar was above a certain, and it's 18 inches is what yeah. Major League Baseball has. So the one you just showed us, does that conform with that 18 inch rule? All that is, is just burnt wood. It's no foreign substance on the bat. Right. So all the MLB's rule is you just can't have a foreign substance on any part of the bat above 18 inches. So you've done your homework on this, obviously. Oh, yeah. You're not just, just putting a piece of wood on, on a lathe and, and going for oh, it. Oh, no. I spend a lot of time looking up rules, making sure everything's to spec and fits regulations. Now, bamboo, you brought that up. I want to, I, I just, that was interesting. I had heard they were thinking about using bats. Is that being used prevalently here in America or is it more overseas? Um, I'm actually not sure how popular it is overseas. It's pretty, it's a pretty niche market in the U.S., uh, the bamboo bats are usually a lot more expensive than normal wood bats. And in a lot of wood bat leagues that am like high level amateur players playing and professional players playing, they're banned because the way they make them is they take strips of bamboo and they actually glue them together. Mm. And so it's actually a laminated piece of wood instead of a solid piece of wood. And so a lot of leagues require one single solid piece of wood. And, but the advantage of that is by laminating it, you're always having the strongest part of the grain facing out. 
Mm -hmm. And that will actually last a lot longer. A lot of people swing uh, bomb bats. I don't know if you ever heard of that brand, but they have a process where they cut the wood up and they actually have it. So all the grain facing outside of the bat is at its strongest point and they glue it together. That's it makes the bats essentially as durable as metal bats. In the golf world, you're seeing players using drivers with these giant heads on them yep. uh, to, to hit the golf ball. I'm one of those players. I need a driver. <laughs> what are the what are the rules and regulations on the diameter of a bat at the end? I mean, is there a, is there a certain width that you can make so that it doesn't you know it doesn't get like the giant one of those rubber plastic bats that the little kids hit with? Uh, so there there are limits on barrel diameter. Uh, I only the limit for me because I sell to a lot of high school and amateur players is two and five eighths inches, just like the metal bats that they use. And the MLB, I believe it's still two and a quarter inches, but it might have gone down to two and five eighths as well. And who are, who are, who taught you how to do this? So, uh, you know, when, when you're 13, 14 years old, who, who started you learning how to do woodworking and how did you get into this? So a buddy of mine, uh, um, a buddy of mine that I used to play baseball with, he, uh, he actually was one of the kids in my town who learned how to do this. And so I actually just went over to his house on a Saturday, asked him to teach me and we made a bat and he showed me how to cut it on the lathe, how to finish it, how to sand it and everything. And I've had a, I've known a lot about woodworking and I've been around wood tools pretty much my whole life because my dad's a big woodworker. So that's kind of nice that I have the shop already set up out there for me to use. So it's, I've been around working with wood pretty much my entire life. The boondoggle for those of us who go back a few years and I saw it during my son's time uh, and this is, goes back hmm, 20 something years now with the blue hawks um the metal bats came into focus uh, mainly because they lasted longer i guess that was the logic behind it uh that kind of uh threw a uh, i don't want to say a crimp in baseball but it, it it changed because there were some of these bats to me were illegal i mean there were i remember one in particular i think it was called the cobra not to be confused with a golf club of the same name but it was a metal bat and it had some sort of cylinder inside so that when you swung if you hit the sweet spot with the ball in the sweet spot when that cylinder was getting to the middle of the bat bang it would you know give you a home run guaranteed you know this was a big thing i think one parent paid 300 bucks for that thing and uh, it had a special case for it and everything it, it was just kind of, I don't know, it took something out of the game. I'm, I'm a wood bat guy. I think, Sam, you, you relate to that, too. Oh, well, yeah. I, when I worked, uh, when uh, Seacoast Mavericks had a team in Portsmouth, I worked for them. And, uh, you know, it was really nice that they were the Futures Collegiate Baseball League was a wood bat league. And uh, it, there's just something about, you know, wooden bats and people getting, you know, that ping would drive you nuts sometimes. So, uh <laughs> You know, just just able to just able to watch players hit the ball with a wood bat and see how see how they could make contact with the bat. Um, I think, uh, you know, I, I'm surprised that the colleges have stayed with it. I guess I don't know if it's been financial or whatever, that they don't have to spend as much money on bats uh, if they stay with a metal bat. My son's forte was pitching and uh, he could hit, though. But the funny thing was we had a pitching coach that uh, we did some long distance uh, coaching with and uh he uh his son this coach's son was going to arizona state to be a, a, a star player oh, wow. and his first game first game pitching for the for the arizona state team uh he had a comebacker off a metal bat 
and it, and it went right at him and hit him in the eye socket. And that was the end of his baseball career. So his father, this coach, tried everything he could to get those outlawed, uh, the metal bats in baseball to no avail, because obviously there's, you know, all sorts of politics involved in that too. Uh, but do you see, Sam, uh, a majority of wood coming back into play? You know, like things have, are on a cycle. So, you know, is this, is this what you're seeing? I think Wood's definitely making a comeback. A lot of the high-level club tournaments and leagues that all like teams like the Mavericks or teams like I uh, coach for the Seacoast Pirates out of Epping, we're a club team and we travel. And a lot of the tournaments, once you hit about 15 years old, they become Wood Bat tournaments all summer. And New Hampshire Legion Balls, I think one of the last states that does Wood Bat only in their Legion leagues. A lot of Legions uh, have changed to Metal Bats. But I, I do think that Wood is growing in popularity. There's a lot more, even guys that I see coaching now that are swinging Wood in batting practice and all winter than when I was playing. And mm -hmm. I see a lot of younger players swinging Wood bats as well because a big new market is youth Wood bats. Mm -hmm. But I, I think metal bats also have their place in the game because with young players, they need to learn how to hit and they need to learn how to be on base and be a base runner. Mm -hmm. and they, they're not really going to get that experience swinging a wood bat at 10 or 11 years old. I think once you get up to the high school age, that's when the real danger of the bats comes in, where the exit velocities are extremely high. Like Sam said, balls coming back and hitting pitchers is a big, big issue. And it, it was a big issue at the younger level, too, until I think 2018 or 2019, they completely revamped the bat regulations to make them essentially perform worse to have lower ball speed off the bat. And so I, I think that at the high school level, they could definitely use wood. And I, I think it would be a lot safer and it would really be a, still be high quality baseball. Most kids, at by the time they're a sophomore in high school, can hit the ball out of the park with a wood bat as long as they're kind of grown and they're working out and they're big and strong. Mm -hmm. I, I think, but I think the other issue is that you can purchase a $150 wood bat today. And you, I've seen people do it when I was playing. They take it out the first game they swing it and they snap it on the first pitch. Right. And so there is the cost factor. A $50 metal bat will outlast a wood bat by, by probably years. And there's not a whole lot you can do about that with a wood bat. It's just wood's a natural material. It's not perfect. It's fragile and it will break. As you said, there are these three, four, now $500 metal bats that players are buying. But... Those aren't the only option on the market. The way that the bat regulations work, the $50 high school size bat performs just as well as the $300 bat. And so the, the big thing driving prices up is hype and marketing by these large companies. Mm -hmm. And the metal bats are their biggest moneymaker. They're way cheaper to produce than wood bats. They're easier to produce and they sell a lot better for a lot more. So I don't see metal bats going anywhere. They're going to be here to stay for a long time. Now, if I was going to bring a youngster in uh, for a bat, as opposed to somebody that just has been playing for a while, what's your advice for a, a parent that's trying to get their, their son or daughter into, into the sport of baseball? Um, in terms of, are you asking, like, choosing a bat-wise? Yeah, or bats, yeah. Um, well, the first thing I'd look at is their age. If they're not on a 90-foot diamond, I would suggest they use a youth-sized bat. Those bats are made for younger kids to swing and still be successful with. And I would also, I, I would avoid going to buying a very, very expensive custom-made wooden bat for my 10 or 12-year-old kid because they're only going to use it for a year or so. Mm -hmm. And they might break it. They're not going to be using it in a game. 
they're only going to be using it in practice. So I would say go out and find something that gives you the best bang for your buck and go somewhere where you can have them hold it and swing it. Because mm -hmm. wood bats, uh, they even though they're all sold as a drop three or they're set, sold as a drop two, wood's a natural material and the weights do vary. And the balance of the bat might vary with each piece of wood. So I would suggest that if you've got a player who's, this is their first time using a wood bat, at least go and swing someone else's and buy the same model as them, or just get an idea of what you're looking for instead of just buying something blind. What are, what are some of your goals for granite bats? What, what do you see yourself doing next uh, two years, three years, five years, as far as the bat world is considered? Um, I'm definitely hoping to grow. I, I'd like to keep it kind of small because I think I can do a good job controlling the quality and I like being involved in the process. I don't plan on having any fancy computer-based machines anytime soon. I like the aspect of hand-making them. And I still want to continue to focus on amateur players and making sure that there's cheap but high-quality available wood available to them. Uh, in terms of the long-term future, that I'm not completely sure about. I'm hoping to go to law school after I graduate this year. So that'll be a big time commitment. I'm kind of going to have to play that by year. So Where the, are you going to college now? Uh, I'm currently at Southern New Hampshire. How's their baseball team? Pretty good. Pretty good. Great. Any of their players using your bats? I actually have three bats on the team right now that they're swinging. <laughs> I, sadly, they're, the league that they're in used to be all wood bat, and I'm pretty sure they just changed to metal this year. Did they? Oh, so yeah. I don't know how much game use they're going to get, but hopefully they'll swing them that in practice. Give me a mem Give me a baseball memory with uh, Kevin McQueen and the Exeter Blue Hawk baseball team when you were playing? At the plate, I was a pretty good hitter. And so I was able to swing it and they gave me the opportunity to swing it, which I'm really, really grateful for. And what was what was your what was your designed bat? Did, did, were you making bats when you, you, not when you were in high school yet? You weren't making I, your own bats? I was making my own bats, but they weren't really meant for games. My, okay. Like one of my parents would have a friend who wanted to do a coach's gift for their kid's team or something like that. I'd mainly right. do memorabilia bats and trophy bats. Are those the types of things that you can make, like engravings and things like that, actually on the bat? Yeah, I actually, so I have an engraver and I can engrave uh, names, team names. Uh, I actually have a really cool one. One of the frats, oh, it's reversed, so you can't really tell. Oh, okay. But this is for one of the fraternities at my college. They uh, asked me to do this to raffle off. It's for the Lou Gehrig Foundation. So I can do also different shapes and all sorts of stuff. There's not a whole lot I can't put on a bat. Well, question I had was you, you uh, and on your website, if people want to go to grantsbats.com, uh, they can see more samples of, of your workmanship. But um, I was going to say, would you also pride yourself in the fact that the wood that you're using for your bats is from right here in this area? So I get, I get my ash and my birch from a place up in Maine. There's a guy who chops his own trees down, mills them out, does it all himself. And then for maple, I actually go to Oneonta, New York. It's about 30 minutes away from Cooperstown. So I always try to make a pit stop in Cooperstown whenever I go up to pick up maple. But it's really, really essential to get your wood from the Northeast because of our harsh winters. It causes the trees to grow a lot stronger. And the wood and the grain in the wood is actually a lot stronger and denser, which makes a lot better baseball bats. And pretty much every company across the country is getting their wood from somewhere in the Northeast or the northern parts of Canada. Sad thing. Years ago, I had a hard maple tree, a big, mature 
maple tree and it was hard oh. maple. And I wanted to find somebody who would take that thing down and take some of that wood and carve a couple of bats out of it. I could have made a bat out of your tree. And also, I know nothing about the maple uh, or, or what's left of the uh, sawdust. Tell people what you do with that. So I sawdust is a big, uh, it's probably my biggest headache for making these is what to do with the sawdust and shavings. It piles up faster than you could ever imagine and it gets everywhere. So I basically try to give them to local farmers as much as possible because it makes great animal bedding and I give it away for free. I'm always looking for people to take my shavings. So I'm always looking for any sort of local farmers or anyone who, as long as you can come and get it, it's free for you to have. And I just, I don't want to see anything go to waste. I also will bag them up. They make great fire starters. Mm-hmm. So I'll put them in a little paper bag and give them to people around the neighborhood for their fire pits. So nothing goes to waste. Excellent. Excellent. Yeah, that's, 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 you've got it together, my friend. My last question, I, again, it's, I, I'm intrigued with the start of the Major League Baseball season, Sam, this year, and the debate about the, the dead ball. When you're hitting a baseball and practicing with your bats and using a baseball, um, whether it be a major league baseball or something else, is there something to this dead ball situation? Um, I would say so, yeah. So I, I still regularly will hit off the tee. I, hitting is one of my favorite things to do ever. I, I probably will do it until the day I die. It's just something I enjoy. And I can definitely tell when I'm hitting a ball that was used in a game versus a practice ball you can definitely tell with the feel off the bat and if you measure the velocity of the ball off the bat you can also tell with that too and I I I think that they I think it was the right thing for them to do to deaden the baseball but uh I think they're definitely they definitely there is a difference between a juice baseball and a dead baseball and you can it's it's amazing now with the analytics that you get when you get the exit velocity and things like that um I would think that a person who's really smashing the ball right now, uh, uh, I would want to know what kind of bat they're using, uh, yeah. what it's made of, and, and, and because it's certainly doing the job. Uh, uh, is it, are, there, are there statistics or things like that that you can look at that you can tell potential buyers that, uh, you know, this, this gets a pretty good exit velocity off it? Um, generally with wood, uh, the exit velocities are pretty much the same no matter – which model you buy or which type of wood you use. It, it's really dependent on how fast that barrel is moving when it hits the ball. With metal bats, it's kind of a different story where not so much at the high school level because they're all very heavily regulated, but at the younger levels until they changed all the bat rules, there were different bats would perform at like different levels. And so some bats would hit the ball harder, some wouldn't. But with wood bats, it's pretty universally the same. Uh, some Birch bats do need to be broken in and maple bats to an extent too to get their full hardness. But you could go up with a ash bat, a maple bat, and a birch bat and pretty much me- measure the same exit velocity off of them. We talked about the barrel of the bat, the handle of the bat. We didn't talk about the knob. Now, there is a choice of knobs for bats, and I'm going to bring a, a, a different one up later. But you have three choices you currently turn. Yes. Tell folks about those. So I do three different knob styles. I do a traditional knob, which is when you think of a baseball bat, the little knob at the end, that's a traditional knob. And different models, I'll adjust the taper. So if the knob is actually this section right here leading up to it. Some players like that to be very thin, so the knob feels bigger on their hand, where others kind of like it to gradually get bigger because it makes them feel like they have a better grip on the bat. A bell knob, 
And so it doesn't have that sharp edge that the yeah. traditional knob has. It's more of a bell shape. That's why it's called a bell knob. And a lot of players like this because it's more comfortable on their hands. And a lot of guys who tape their bats up like this too because they can put a big glob of tape there. And the last knob that I do is called a cone knob. Some people call it a no knob. It's pretty close to the bell knob, except it's basically just a gradual taper and then the bat stops. And so guys who like to hang maybe their pinky or their ring finger off the end, yeah. they'll like that because it makes them yeah. feel like the bat's a little bit longer. Yeah. But traditional knobs are by far the most popular and the most widely used. Dustin Pedroia and, and another uh, former Red Sox player now, Mookie Betts, they went to the axe handle. Yes. Now, I, I know right now that's not something you're doing. Would you ever consider those? I, I would love to do that, and I actually, I'm pretty sure I could get my hands on the equipment to do it. The problem is there are two companies, Axe and ProXR, who have patented okay. that design, and so you have to pay them a licensing fee. Okay. And that's why if you go and look at a lot of the Axe handle bats, they're extremely expensive because of that licensing fee. Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, I believe uh, one company around here is paying them $70 per bat they sell. Wow. Wow. So it really drives up the cost, and it's just something I can't afford to do. Stay traditional. Stay traditional, Sam. Stay traditional. Does it drive you nuts when you see somebody taping up one of your nice bats, the handle of a bat? I'm okay with it. I, I used to tape my bats up. I like a little tape on there. I, I get it. It helps you grip it. I mean, it, it does hurt a little bit inside whenever, you know, someone covers up the paint or the, any of the work. At the end of the day, I want the player using it to be as confident as he possibly can. And if you've got to put a little tape on that to succeed, I'd rather you do that than not. There you go. Or the player who strikes out with the bases loaded in the bottom of the ninth inning and takes the bat over his knee. Oh, yeah. As long as he's not striking out looking, it's all good. One other thing about baseball bats that I, I forgot to mention till now, some players like that cup style at the end of the bat. Um, are you going to get into that or are you going to just hang off on that for a while? I actually already offer that as an option. Oh, um, you do? Okay. When you, when you order a bat, it comes with a cup on the top. It's... It's mainly for distributing the weight. It'll actually move the center of gravity down and make the bat appear lighter. Factoid, I found that in the 19th century, they used to whittle down the bat. Uh, they went to uh, maple bats, which were uh, up until 1997, weren't sanctioned by Major League Baseball. That was something I had, did not realize. Now, Sam, this is for Sam Bruno. I'm not going to put you on the spot, Sam Rock. Yes. Who was the first Major League player and I'll give you a clue. He was a, a Toronto Blue Jay to have a maple bat that was sanctioned by Major League Baseball. An MVP of the World Series. That, that I'll give you that clue, too. Oh, I know this one. Oh, no. no. Let's, let's Sam Rollick answer. Sam Rollick. Joe Carter. Yeah, Joe Carter. Absolutely. Joe Carter. Yeah, Joe Carter. And, and Barry Bonds uh, had a maple bat when he broke a single-season home run record. So Bonds Barry is actually the one that popularized maple in the MLB, too. Here's another one. Honus Wagner was the first baseball player to have a signature bat. Sam Rollick, you have to understand, Sherm doesn't have a life. So. Well, I'm a nerd about this stuff, too. I'm loving this. <laughs> All right, maybe Sam, see, I'll ask Sam Rollick. Probably he'll know the answer to this. Uh, Ted Williams, everybody that's a Red Sox fan knows Ted Williams, the art of hitting. He had supposedly the supervision. I mean, he could literally see the seams of a baseball coming in from the pitcher. His thing was, every night, he would take his bats and clean them. And he stored them properly because his thing was, if you left them on the ground, the moisture would affect the bat and dirt even would make it heavier. So he was very specific. And once in well, every couple of weeks, he would take the bats, his bats to the post office 
down there near Fenway Park and have them wave them to make sure. <laughs> that's that's that's, awesome. that's a serious hitter. I mean, that's a serious hitter. And uh, finally, this one was about Pete Rose. He would harden his bats by soaking them in a tub of motor oil in his basement and then hang them up to dry. Now that's that's I, I've never heard of that one. That was a new one on me. But uh, hey, it worked for Charlie Hustle. So yeah. Yeah, these guys that are into hitting, the art of hitting, they they uh, they go to any extreme. Sam Bruno, have you got a two-minute drill for us? I do. Um, and uh, certainly uh, enjoyed talking with Sam today. I, I think he's got a great future. Uh, best of luck with his uh, finishing college at uh, SNHU and uh, hopefully getting to law school. It would be great for him to do that. And uh, certainly he's got a bright future. Uh, certainly a great Exeter High School alumni. Um, the only thing that I'm going to just bring up now is, again, during the beginning of the baseball season, I'm watching a lot of baseball right now and uh, concerned about the review process because there have been a couple of games and a couple of instances where there was an obvious mistake and either because they couldn't review it or the umpire didn't want to look bad, they didn't overturn the call and it was obvious on the film. So I guess I'm just going to go to the Bill Belichick situation that if you're going to have review, please review everything. Don't have some things can't be reviewed or some things can be reviewed. If you've got the technology to get it right, use it for everything. Mm -hmm. And I know the problem that's lurking out there right now is the computerized strike zone. That if you're going to use technology to make everything right, why don't you just use computers and get rid of umpires and get a computerized strike zone so everything will be right there. So I understand overview and everything like that. But my goodness, there was a game last week that involved the New York Mets that the bases were loaded and the runner was up and there was a pitch and it was a called strike. But he leaned over the plate and it hit his elbow and it forced in the winning run for the Mets. And you could see him leaning into the pitch. But that was an unreviewable incident. And again, I'm just thinking that you've got to get it right. So I, I, I guess I guess the, the old time baseball guy would say, get rid of review. But boy, if you've got it to get it right, you've got to get it right. Sam Rollick, what we do is a two-minute drill. Anything on sports, if you want to throw it out there on the table, feel free. But I do definitely want you to mention more about where folks can get in touch with you at Granite Bats. So yeah, there's, you can follow me on Instagram. My Instagram is granite underscore bat underscore company. My website is granitebats.com. Uh, you can email me at samrollick28 at gmail.com or reach out to me on my cell phone. It's listed on my website. Any of those forms of communication, I'll respond to you as fast as I can and I'll get help you as much as I can. Mm -hmm. uh, but on Sam's point with the replay, I, I, I agree with him that they if they're gonna if they're gonna review stuff, they should review everything. And I also think that if you're gonna review a call, the review like the review center should have precedent over the umpire because you're already considering that he made a mistake. And I like he said, I mean, there was the call with Bomb at home plate for the Phillies where he stepped over home plate and they still couldn't even get it right with replay. And then there was the Michael Conforto hit by pitch, and that's not the first time that's happened either. Uh, a couple of years back, Max Scherzer lost a perfect game in the ninth with two outs because a player on the Pirates leaned into a pitch from him. So it's it's been going like this kind of stuff's been going on for a while. And I think the MLB really does need to 
relook at how they handle replay, how they use replay, and what it can be applied to. Because there's a lot of calls that really should be reviewable that aren't right now. And there are calls that are being reviewed and they're not even getting the call right. So I really do think they need to, if they, if they really care about the product they're putting on the field, they need to put some effort into this if they're going to make it a consistent thing. Exactly. Consistency. That's the key word right there. You're absolutely right. The workmanship I've seen on your site, Brands Bad, I wanted to say you were a craftsman, but you're not. You're an artisan. You are an artisan. They oh, are, thank you. They really are. They're works of art. And my two-minute drill is that uh, I'm a fan of the show Shark Tank, where art entrepreneurs are always trying to build a better mousetrap or, or improve an existing product. And the one thing I have a gripe is some of them are trying to do it right here in America. Most of it gets shipped out. You're doing it right here, not only in good old Exeter, but in the Granite State. And, and you're to be commended for that. Uh, I know the temptation is always to get bigger and, and, and richer faster. But you know something? I think having pride in a product that you put your hands to and put it together, that, that makes you feel better, I think, at night, doesn't it? Oh, 100%. There you go. The best way to get in touch with you is what, Sam? Uh, I would say go on to my website, www.granitebats.com and fill out a contact form there. It gets sent right to me, and that's where I'll respond the fastest. All right, granitebats.com. We will do that. So on behalf of Sam Rock, our special guest today, and Sam Bruno, this is Sherm Chester inviting you to join us again for the next edition of the Seco Sports Forum. Be sure to subscribe and hit the bell to get notified about new episodes of the Seco Sports Forum. Follow the Sports Forum team behind the scenes on our Facebook and Twitter pages. This is Sherm Chester inviting you to join us for the next edition of the Seco Sports Forum.